Good to see you. How's everybody doing? Good? Yeah? Rob, thanks for worship today. What a powerful, powerful morning. Well, I, I do really hope that you're having a good weekend, and I know it's been said already, but um, I too just want to say welcome. If you're a guest here with us today, we're really glad that you were able uh, to join us. So thanks, uh, thanks for being here. It's really our prayer uh, that this morning would be a time when you're just really touched by the Spirit of God, that you would leave this place and, and you would have really encountered the, the living, the, the one and only, the one true God, Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's really our prayer this morning. We're going to continue in our series called Masterpiece today, and uh, that's taking us through the book of Ephesians, as you know. And today we're going to be looking at, if you've got a Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to uh, 33. Our topic today is the topic of marriage, and um, I really believe that God um, has something special for each one of us um, this morning. I've, I've, been really, I've been praying a lot for a lot of specific groups throughout this week, and so know that you've been, you've been prayed for this week. Um, if you're single... Um, and you long to be married. My prayer for you this week has been that you would get a vision uh, and you would be reminded again of what you're holding out for. That you would be re-energized in that this morning. Um, if you're married this morning, uh, my prayer for you is that you would be encouraged by God's word. That, that as we teach it and as we go through it together, that you would be really fueled up in, in what your marriage should look like. If you're a student here this morning and, and marriage really isn't on your radar... That's good. Uh, we don't want it to be, right? Um, but, but my prayer for you has been this, that regardless of what you've seen as a model of marriage, that this morning you would leave with a picture of what marriage could be for you. Um, so before we begin, would you pray with me? And, and let's just go to the Lord again, and let's just say, hey, Lord, before we go to your word that's alive and active, um, Lord, would you speak to us? God, would, would you speak to your people today? So, so yeah, would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you expectantly this morning, and um, Lord, we're just asking, Lord, that today would be a day when you would allow us to be uh, leaving here as changed people. Lord, we want to look more like Christ, Um, and so, Lord, we say to you this morning, Lord, our hearts are soft to you. We say, Lord, we open ourselves up to you, and we would say the soil of our hearts, we want it to be soft to the teaching of your word today, and so, God, would you sow in us something great today? Maybe have a conversation with the Lord, something like that, where you just say, Lord, this morning is yours. These next moments that we have together, Lord, I'm giving them to you. And Lord, I would ask that you would speak to me, that you would do something inside of me that maybe I didn't even expect this morning. So go ahead and have that kind of a conversation with the Lord and invite him into your your heart and into your life this morning. Lord, that's what we do. We open ourselves up to you this morning. We trust you. We love you. And now we pray, Lord. I pray that the words in my mouth would be pleasing to you, Lord. We pray in the powerful name of Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask for a a little audience participation as we get rolling here this morning. Uh, So I want you to put your hand in the air if you're married. Go ahead. Hi. Nice and high. Wow, lots of you. Okay. Now I want you to do this. If you've been married 10 years or more, I want you to stand to your feet. Go ahead, right now, stand up. If you've been married 10 years or more, 10 years or more. If you're not sure, just fake it. Just fake it, right? If you kind of lost track, just be confident and get up, right? Okay, now I want you to stay standing now if you've been married 20 years or more. Stay standing 20 years or more. Cool. 30 years or more, stay standing. If you've been married 40 plus years, stay standing. 45 plus years, stay standing. 
Anybody married over 50 years? Raise your hand. Over 50 years. Right there, there. Very, oh yeah. Let's give these guys a hand. Yep. Isn't that cool? You can go ahead and sit down. The reason why I wanted to do that is this. That commitment that all of you have made, it's honorable. Um, it's so honorable. If you just got married, that picture of those people that were standing up last there, that's what you're shooting for. 50 plus years. That's what you're shooting for. Marriage is a huge blessing, isn't it? But, but right along with that, it being a huge blessing, anyone who is married would attest to this. Marriage is also very hard work at times. You may have seen the headlines in the news this week. Uh, Mexico City, it said, um, considers allowing temporary marriages. And the article went like this. Traditionally minded couples could still choose till death do us part. They could go that route. But others can decide on the length that they are committing to when they're getting their marriage license. The minimum license would be for two years. It's pretty convenient, you know. At the end of the contract, the couple can choose to re-up or walk away. The proposal is that when the two-year period is up, if the relationship is not stable or harmonious, the contract simply ends. Any couples ever feel like things aren't very harmonious? Right? In 1978, 28% of Americans said that marriage was obsolete. In 2010, that went up to 40%. 40% of Americans said that, that marriage between a man and a woman together for life, they said it was unattainable. Yet many times we see this contradiction. In God's word, we see that marriage is held in high regard. Marriage, it wasn't our idea. It was, it was God's idea. It was his design. It was, it was God's creation. Genesis, going clear back to Genesis chapter 2, it's, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so from the very beginning, we see that by God's design, there was this complementary relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, and each one of them would add value to each other. That together they would be better than they were apart. Now in the audience today, undoubtedly, there are, there are many different pictures of what marriage is. We have a mixed crowd. Some of you, you're single and, and you're excited to one day be married. You saw growing up a picture of marriage that you can't wait to model. I mean, you saw your mom and dad together. You felt warmth and security in your home. And you can't wait to replicate that. Some of you here this morning, you're in the midst of a divorce. Or you've gone through a divorce in the past. And you know the pain and the loneliness and the heartache that you feel through that. Some of you are married and you would say, each year it just gets better. Better and better. Some of you, you're here, you're married and you're struggling. And you've even just said in your mind at different times, you know what, maybe we should just call it quits. Maybe we should wash our hands of this thing and just, just walk away. You're in a tough spot this morning. Or maybe this is what it is for you as a child, or maybe even you currently right now, you saw your parents constantly battling it out. And so you saw a picture of marriage that was not real encouraging to you. And so you've kind of said this, if that's what God designed marriage to be, I don't ever want to sign up for that. I want you to know from God's word this morning that when God designed marriage, he had something great in mind. That God wanted marriage to, re to reflect even something beyond a man and a woman coming together in marriage. He wanted to reflect something even more awesome than that. We're going to see this morning that marriage is a picture of something that's transcendent. It's something that's exceptional. 
that each one of our marriages, get this, it's to showcase or it's to be like a, like a powerful reflection of Christ in his church. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be something that's way beyond just two people. We'll unpack that incredible picture as we go. Let's jump in. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, now know this about verse 21. This verse kind of acts like a bridge between what Paul has just been talking about earlier in chapter 5. Last week, Pastor Tim uh, took us through that passage. And, and the point of that passage is that we would be filled with the Spirit of God. And so this verse, hey, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, is kind of a bridge between what he's just said. He's saying, hey, if you're filled with the Spirit of Christ, if you're a mature follower of Jesus Christ, what will flow naturally out of your spiritual maturity is that you'll submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But it's also a bridge to where he's going to go in chapters 5 and chapter 6. He's going to talk about several, several different relationships. And so he's looking ahead and he's saying, hey, in the context of these relationships that I'm about to talk about, I want you to submit to each other. Out of what? Out of reverence for Christ. These relationships. First, he'll talk to husbands and wives. Then after that, he's going to talk to children and their parents. And then after that, we'll talk about this next week. He's going to talk to to employees and employers and how that relationship would look. So really, think about this verse, verse 21. Think of it like it's a banner verse over these sections, over these relationships, over the things that we'll talk about this morning. There are two things that we should pull out of verse 21. You might jot these down. This verse, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This this idea of mutual submission. First, know this. Submission, it's voluntary. It's completely voluntary. The word refers to a a willing choice. It's not forced. It's not demanded. It's yielding yourself to someone else. You know what it's like to come up to a four-way stop? You know that feeling? You come to a four-way stop, but you come with a couple other cars, maybe one or maybe even two or three. And you show up to the stop, and, and let's say you all get there about the same time. Now someone, or multiple people, have a choice to make in that moment, right? You kind of stop, and, and here's what happens. Somebody steps forward and yields. Someone says, hey, you know kind of motions on top of the steering wheel? Go ahead, you go. You go in front of me. You yield. I'll yield to you. When I'm driving um, home, at, when I'm leaving the church here and, and, and going home, I, I need to turn right onto Q Street over here. And traffic is usually pretty... Pretty bottlenecked at that point. And so, I'll be sitting there at the stop sign, waiting to turn right, and I'll just kind of sit and wait, and, and then the light will turn green, and the traffic will start to move, and eventually someone will motion to me. They'll say, hey, you go. You go ahead. What are they doing? They're yielding to me. Sometimes submission is often, it's, it's, it's about what we don't do as much as what we do do. Hey, you go ahead. I'm not going to go. You, you go ahead. Second, notice this about submission. Notice the motivation behind submission it's out of reverence for the lord regardless of who it's talking about that we're submitting to it's out of reverence for the lord that we choose to yield to whoever god has put over us don't miss this before talking about any specific group the apostle paul is saying this the end goal is that god would be revered in these relationships that pleasing god would be our aim And and when that is our aim, here's what it does. It it causes us to go to the text this morning and ask questions like this. To say, you know what, God, you came up with this idea of marriage. This wasn't our idea. You came up with it. And so, God, I trust you, Lord. How do you want me to to best carry it out? What does it look like? Lord, would you teach me? It causes us to have this as our driving question this morning. You might jot this down. What is my role in marriage? And how can I live it out in a way that reveres Christ? 
What is my role in marriage and how can I live it out in a way that reveres Christ? Notice our aim this morning. Our aim is not, what is my role in marriage so that I can be served well? What is my role in marriage so that I can get my way? That's not our, that's not our goal. What is my role in marriage so that I can be made happy, so that I can win arguments? No, no, the goal is this. It's to revere Christ. It's to please Christ, that we would steward this covenant called marriage that he's given to us, this relationship, that we would steward in a way that we would say, more than anything, I want to revere Christ. That a husband would respond to his wife with this is the number one objective, not his wife, but Christ. That a wife would respond to her husband in such a way that she would say, what's my number one objective? It's Christ, to, to revere him. That's the banner by which Paul wants us to operate through all of these areas that we'll get into. The Apostle Paul, verse 22. He first talks to the ladies. Now men, don't, don't worry. Your turn is coming. Notice that larger section, verse 25 through 33. We'll be there in just a few minutes. Don't get up. Okay. Here's the driving question again. Here it is. What is my role and how can I live it out in a way that reveres Christ? Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Wives, God has given you a role in marriage to lovingly, to respectfully submit to your husband's leadership. Now you ask the question, well, how does that work? Well, what does that look like? Look, look at the text, verse 22. Hus- or, or wives, submit to, to your husbands as to the Lord. Again, submission. It's not force. No, no. Men and women submit to Christ voluntarily. And this is the exact same idea when we get to verse 22. The same idea of submission as it is in verse 21. Now you might ask, well, why should a wife do this? Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, which is, of which he is the savior. Now as the wife, or, or excuse me, now as the church submits to Christ, so also the wife should submit to her husband in everything. God has placed men in a position of, of leadership. We'll hear more about what that looks like for the man here in a bit. But it says that God has called men to be the, to be the head to take on a, a position of leadership. Now, we don't use that term very often anymore. We don't say head of the household. But you might understand it like this. You've heard of in the workplace, the head of the department or uh, the team leader. That word head in, 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 in the original language, it means, it means to authority. That there is a sense of order that God has given to the home. God knows, and you can fill in the blank here, two heads equals a, a monster, right? Yeah. But when I hear this, stick with me here before anybody sends me a mean email. But, but when I hear this, when I read this passage, I ask questions like this. Why God? Why are there different roles? And know this, ladies. God can handle our questions. He's not going to be stumped. He's not worried, right? But why God? Why this structure? Is it because men are smarter? Now, I, uh, I don't think we need to spend much time on that, do we, fellas? Because I, I know too many men in this room, that I've met too many of you, that have married up significantly, right? You ever had that happen? I'm blessed that way. You ever do that? You, you meet a guy and then maybe a week or two later, or a couple months later, you meet his wife and you just go, 
how did he trick her? Like, you know? Ask this question. Did God put this structure in place? Is it because men are more capable? No. As a matter of fact, oftentimes it's very evident that they're not. Yet by God's design, we see, and we see this in other places in the New Testament as well, that God has given men and women different roles. This is so politically incorrect. This is so countercultural. Yet we're committed to God's word because of this, because we see it when it's lived out, we see it fueling marriages one after another. So we're committed to it. God says it, we're committed to it. But here's where the rub really comes in. And let's just expose the elephant in the room this morning. It could be thought, well, if our roles are different, then our worth must be different. Absolutely not. Jot this down. There is equality in worth, yet differences in roles. Let me ask you a question. Are children less important than their parents? Absolutely not. Are employers more important than their employees? Not at all. Throughout the scriptures, it's evident that there is equality in worth. Men and women are equal in worth, in importance, in how they're forgiven, in how they receive grace. Men and women are equal in in their standing before God, in their significance in God's eyes, in their privilege before him. The best example of we get is in the very nature of God. Let me ask you a theological question. Is Jesus God? Simple. Yes, he is. Yet in the very nature of God, we see equality in worth, yet difference in role. In the context of the Trinity, we see very different roles. Within the Trinity, we see equal worth in the Godhead, yet there are very different roles. For instance, think about this for a second. God the Father has authority, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. It says that he's the, the head of Christ is God. What did Jesus do? Jesus submitted to the Father's will. John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus is speaking and he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Think about how hard that was. He went to the cross. Yet Jesus spoke and and Jesus lived out the will of God, even though it was hard. In the the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke chapter 22, verse verse 42, Jesus is there and he's in in agony, wrestling with the Father's will, the the Father's authority even over him. But he's submitting to that will. But he says, the text says he was in so much distress that he's sweating, but it was actually like drops of blood were falling from him. A rare condition, but it's caused by severe distress. Yet what did he say at the end of that? He said, not my will, but yours be done. God the Father has a different role than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a different role than Jesus. Now, do you think this? Do you think Jesus ever kind of was walking around and he was like, man, I can't believe I made the B team, you know? You think Jesus ever had that moment of just going, oh, no, he didn't. Why? Equality in worth. Difference in role. It's beautiful. You can imagine all the scenarios, though, where this becomes very difficult, doesn't it? Does this mean that a wife should submit to a husband that is leading her into sin? Absolutely not. Does this mean that a wife should be um, submissive to a, a husband that is abusive? Absolutely not. That wife should call the church and the civil authorities. Last thing for the ladies, look with me at verse 33. It says, however, each of you must 
Love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Ladies, let me ask you a question. Does your husband feel respected by you? How do you talk about him when he's standing right beside you? Do people around you, when you talk about him, do they get the impression that, that you're proud of him? That you, boy, you're glad to be associated with him. How do you speak about him when he's not around? Know this, words of ap- affirmation, words of respect. What do they do? Oh, they build a man up in a good way. Words of respect, they cut straight to the heart. Christina's words of affirmation to me, her words that communicate respect, they give me such confidence, as recent as yesterday. Ladies, know this, your words are so powerful. Wives, how are you doing in this? Where can you grow? We all have areas, don't we? Okay, husbands, buckle up. Verse 25, ready? Husbands, love your wives. Now, when you look at the scriptures, there are lots of different forms for the word love. Husbands, love your wives. Lots of different forms. This is not referring to the physical form. Men, this isn't saying make love to your wife. So don't go home and say, honey, I think we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Right? That's not your application today. It's not talking about physical. It's not talking also about like brotherly love. It's not talking about this idea of being best friends, though that's true, and that's, that's a good thing also. But in this context, what it's saying, when it says love your wives, it's, it's describing a, a love that's, it's, it's describing like God's love. It's a giving love. It's a selfless love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love that says, hey, I, Lord, I, I, I put you before me. Notice that it says, love your wives, let's keep going, just as, and you might want to underline those two. Those are big words. Love your wives just as what? As Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. The ultimate example of sacrificial love was when Christ gave himself up for his bride, the church. What did he do? He died. He relinquished everything. He took on the wrath of God. He gave everything up. Husbands, what are the boundaries of sacrificial love to your wife? It's giving everything up. It's where a husband thinks more about her needs than his own. It's where a husband is looking for ways. He's seeking out ways to bless his wife. And while the cross is the, the ultimate expression of that love, think about this for a second. How else did Christ show his love for his people? I mean, think about what you know about the, the New Testament and the Gospels. I mean, what were some of the things that Christ did just day to day to, to express his love? Because we're supposed to love our wives just as. Whoa, Christ loved the church. Think about what he did. When he was out and about, what did he do? He, he fed the people. He noticed when they had pain. He cared for their physical needs. He entered into their emotional needs. Anyone like me need to work on that? He served them. He got down on his knees. No task was too meaning, menial, menial for him. Nothing. Nothing was. Husband, husbands, this is huge. Leadership in your home is earned. And it's earned through serving. Are you quick to help out or when you get home are you done? Is your work done? Oftentimes, the reason why, why a wife will have a hard time trusting her husband's leadership or finding joy in her husband's leadership is because the husband's fallen into one of two extremes. Either he's, he's lazy, 
He's a couch potato. He's, oh, I worked all day. I'm finally home and put my feet up. It's time for you to serve me. Or it's the husband that's on the other end. He's domineering. He's brash. He's harsh. It's his way or no way. Ladies, I'm sorry if this is the example that you've seen of servant leadership because it's not what, we, what, what men are called to. Philippians chapter two says that Christ, what did he do? It says he humbled himself. He, he took on the nature of a servant. Now, husbands know this. Christ was, was not de- delivering his blessing and his love to us because of anything that we had done. This is, the, the love that we received from Christ was just because of his outpouring to us. So when we think about our wives, there should be no, well, if she would, then I would. This shouldn't be the case. We're to love our wives out of what? Out of reverence for Christ. And so we don't think, well, if she would, then I would. No, no, we think out of reverence for Christ. Who's the aim? Christ. Who's the aim? Christ. Her? No, Christ. And that will cause us to not, not play that game, to not have that argument. Ladies, same thing. If he would, then I would just. No, no. What's the aim? Christ. Reverence for Christ. To please Christ. It's not about us. Men, God is calling us to, to servant leadership. Just the other night, we had gotten the kids to bed at our house, and we have three little ones, and so you know that feeling, young, young parents, where, boy, you, you just, they're finally they're asleep, you know, or in bed at least. And the house was picked up, and so I sat down on the couch, and and about two seconds after sitting down, our oldest came walking out right out of his room. And, and I guess he wasn't asleep. And, and he said he had something really important to tell me. And so he sat down on the couch next to me. And, and I said to him, I said, where's your mom? And he said, oh, she's back in, in your room folding laundry. And everything in me went, oh, really? And I began to sit there and talk with him when I normally would have said, you go to bed. All of a sudden, I had time to chat, right? Because nothing in me wanted to go back and serve. It's a constant battle, isn't it? Look with me at verse 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This is the picture of what is to come. It's when Christ is going to receive his bride, the people of God. The text says, what are we to do, husbands? We're supposed to help make her holy. Husbands, we're supposed to lead in such a way at home that it causes our wives to grow spiritually, that our leadership would have a positive impact on her spiritual life. Husbands, we should pray for our wives. Not once have I offered to pray for Christina and she has said, you know, not, no thanks. No, not one time. But every time it's like, wow, thank you. It's a marriage builder. Husbands, we need to ask our wives. We need to care about these things. How are you doing spiritually? That needs to be a question we ask. This is a really tough question that came to me this week. Men, does your family see you as the one who is readily serving and leading them so that they might be growing in their relationship with Christ? Men, real quick, just do me a favor. Point to who in the marriage is responsible for the spiritual temperature of your home. Go ahead. Don't point at me. Come on. Can't outsource this one, can you? This is us. This lands on us. It's our role. We all have room for improvement in this, don't we? 
you know, I was asking my kids this week, we're just kind of doing the bedtime routine, and Christina was gone that night, and, and, um, and so they're sitting on my lap, and, and I said, hey, quick, and this passage was like, like a, like a weight, and I say, boy, kids, pray for me, I'm, I'm prepping for Sunday, and, and uh, it's just a heavy passage, it's a, it's a challenging one. And, uh, and Aiden said, well, what are you teaching about? I said, well, I'm teaching about how a husband should sacrificially love his wife. And he said, well, what's sacrificial mean? And I said, well, it means that like a husband like goes first. Like a husband like serves at home. Like a husband, like I put mom's needs before my own and your needs before my own. And I'm actively serving here around the house. And then I took a big risk, right? And I said to him, I thought, and I should have said it, but I, I, I said, I said, Aiden, how am I doing with this here in our home? And he took a couple of seconds, too long, and he said, okay, okay, about medium. You know? No sugarcoating that one for him, you know? We got room to improve, don't we? We all do. Let's keep going and again, ask this question as we go through this text. What does it look like to love my wife just as Christ loved the church? Look with me at verse 28. It says, he who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves his wife loves himself. And let me think about this for, for a second. He's saying, hey, you need to love your wife like you love you. You need to treat her like you treat yourself. It says, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body. But what does he do? It says he feeds it. And he cares for it. And here it is again. Just as... Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. It's the husband that says, till death do us part, I will do my best to care for your needs. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. I just want to say this, men, if you have failed in this area, let your humility today be the thing that God uses to unload his grace on your marriage because he will. It is not too late. This week I was asking the question, how is this possible, God? This is such a high calling. As a matter of fact, whenever I do a wedding, I stand before the the new, the groom-to-be, and and I, I read this passage, I read that Ephesians 5, Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And, and I say to that to-be husband, I say, I know of no greater calling than the one that God puts on the Christian husband. I know of no greater one. And so I was asking the question, Lord, how do we do this? And here's what I think. I think that the challenge that we get from Scripture, where does it drive us, men? This has got to drive us personally to be walking with Jesus Christ, to be on our knees, to be saying, okay, God, whoa, love her just as Christ loved the church. It's got to push us to our knees. Let's look at the last part of this. Verse 31. For this reason, and you could kind of put in there, for this reason, marriage was created. That's kind of what it's answering this question, that question. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So, so that's the first part of it. Okay, that's why God created marriage. There was, this, there was this awesome union between a man and a woman, a great thing. That's the first part. And then it says, this is a profound mystery, part two of the reason for marriage. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking, again, here it is, this is the picture, I am talking about Christ and the church. Marriage is supposed to be this, it's supposed to be like we put on a pedestal, Christ and his love for the church. How Christ served the church. 
How Christ gave himself up for the church. Why? So that he could present the church, his bride, holy and blameless. His reputation is attached to our marriage. And so what do we do? We seek to live out this picture. We seek to put our marriages on display and to say, wow, just as Christ loved the church. Wow, women, respect your husband. That's huge. But we seek to do that. Why? Reverence for Christ. Look back at verse 21. Why do we submit to one another? Out of reverence for Christ. He's our aim. Brookside, are you challenged this morning? I told Christina last night, I was like, I feel like I'm having surgery every time I open my Bible, you know? Yeah. Hey, let's do this together. Um, Let's stand up and let's just pray that this would be true of us. Yeah, let's pray together. So Lord, we come to you and we thank you, Lord, for the challenges that we find in scripture. And Lord, this morning we pray, Lord, if we're single and we're here today, we pray that, Lord, we would just recommit to to, to hanging on to saying, you know what? I'm not gonna settle. I'm gonna go after what God has for me. If we're married here today and we say, you know what, we're we're struggling. It's so hard, we wanna quit. We want out. Everything looks so much better. Lord, I pray for those marriages that you would give them strength today. Lord, I pray for that husband that he would say, not because of what she's doing, but out of reverence for Christ, here's what I will do. I pray for that wife that she would say, not because of any of his actions, but out of reverence for Christ, I will give it my best. I will show respect. I pray that that man would say, I will love her sacrificially. Lord, we need you. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray because we think about what, what would happen if we followed this? What would happen if husbands love their wives like this? If wives love their husbands like this? What would happen is that Christ would be exalted. And so Lord, that's our goal as a church. That's Brookside's goal. And so Lord, would you, would you lead us in that? Lord, would you give us grace in our marriages? Lord, we pray for everybody here today. We pray in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, everybody. Have a great week and uh, look forward to seeing you next week.